Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We have made it. It is the end of 2022, and I've been doing a lot of reflection about this year, celebrating the things that I feel really proud of, but also doing a postmortem and thinking about all the things that I would have done differently as well. What were the mistakes I made? What were my shortcomings? What were my failures? Because I truly believe that in order to make the most of the past 12 months, I need to take a good, long, critical look at what could have been so that I can bring that forth for new beginnings in 2023. So thank you for joining me here as I share all my biggest failures and lessons from 2022. But first, I want to start off and share my structure for reflecting on the past year. So the first thing that I did, which I mentioned, I think in the last or the second to last podcast episode was I did a reflection where I looked at the eight areas of my life and I rated them all on a scale from one to five. And then I took a good hard look at the ones that were the top scorers and then also the ones that were the bottom scorers. So those categories are fun, friends, health, career, love, spirituality, family, and money. And my two lowest performing areas were fun and health. And so I use that to sort of think about where I could have done better. Why did it feel like such a low score to me? What were the parts that were really unfulfilling? And then I also looked at where I had high scores. And for me, my highest scores were career, spirituality, and money. And I thought about what were the lessons that allowed me to score that high, to have such a good outcome. And what do I want to bring through to 2023? After I did that reflection and I shared my answers with Dev and he shared his answers with me, then I did a few days later a year ahead astrology reading with my friend Vanessa Hardy. I truly, truly cannot recommend this enough. I am not recommending it because she's my friend or because it was free. In fact, I actually signed up like a normal customer and paid, even though she offered me a free session because she's my friend, because I truly believe that her talents are so special that there's no way I could not do a monetary exchange for them because of the value that I was getting back. So that was super helpful in anchoring me towards some lessons that I needed to learn and bring forth to the next year. And then lastly, I looked at my numerology for 2023. For those of you who aren't familiar with numerology, Every year has a theme to it. So each year can be a one year, a two year, a three year, four year, et cetera. There are nine different types of years and each one has a different feeling, a different theme, different goals, different purposes. And it's different for each one of us, depending on when we were born. So for me, I had a six year in 2022 and six years are about deepening love, about building homes. They're really beautiful times where you experience a lot of success and you're seen very favorably. And then I saw that the next year coming up 
is going to be a seven year and seven years are characterized by a lot of hard work where things often feel very tough and very challenging. They ask that you dramatically scale back your life. So you're only focused on the most important things, but those years can also be really beneficial if you dedicate yourself to the task at hand and are very disciplined. So with all those sources of information together, my reflection that I did, my reading with Vanessa Hardy, then lastly, looking at my numerology, I took that whole cohesive picture and then overlaid a review of my calendar. So I just very quickly went through my GCAL and I looked at every single week starting January 1st through the end of the year. And I really tried to put myself back in the shoes of where I was then. If there was anything big that I saw in my calendar, I also went back to my journal and flipped through that to remind myself of what I was thinking and feeling at the time. I know this sounds like a lot of work, but it is really worth it in order to get a holistic picture of what your past 12 months have been like, because we as humans tend to have a recency bias where we think about what we remember fresh in our minds. And then we then believe that that has always been the case because we've forgotten about the things that are a little bit further back. And then looking at all of that together, I came up with one sentence that exemplifies 2022 for me. And that sentence is all work and no play. It was an amazing year on the professional front, but it just wasn't really that much fun. But I am deeply appreciative because it had so much abundance on the professional front. It was great for business. It just wasn't that great for me as a person. Just so you have a framework for what this past year was like so that the failures and the lessons that I share make some sense. The year was very much about three things. And those three things were one, writing a book, two, buying and renovating a house. And then finally three, going through the process of IVF for the first year ever. So let's talk about that. That is actually one of my biggest and most potent lessons from this time is related to that IVF process. And that's about getting rid of jealousy, comparison, and negative thinking. If I had to do this year over again, I would have let go of all the time and energy I wasted on feeling sorry for myself and lamenting what a hard time I was going through. It was pretty rough. At the time, I really felt like all my friends already had kids or were having kids and were getting pregnant really easily, getting accidentally pregnant. And here I was going on to the third year of trying to do this and having such a tough experience. And I very much felt, woe is me. This is so sad. I felt sorry for myself. And I let that negative thinking infuse my whole experience. And I really wish I hadn't done that. We did our first round of IVF in April. For those of you who aren't familiar, the process is basically going to the doctor every other day for two or three weeks, and you're trying to grow as many eggs as possible. So you're taking these injections into your abdomen and into your butt, and your stomach gets really, really big because instead of producing one or two eggs like we normally do every month, your body is trying to produce as many as it actually can. And in my case, it was 12 eggs. So you're really bloated and really swollen. Then you go into the hospital for procedure where you are under anesthesia and they use a small catheter to take all those eggs out of your body. 
And then from there, they take the eggs and they mix them with the sperm to create embryos. And they wait to see which embryos make it to the fifth day. And therefore, they know that the ones that made it to the fifth day are the strongest. And they go ahead and they freeze all those embryos for you in the future. So as we're going through this process, I put so much stress on myself because every time we went in for an appointment to check in on how the eggs were growing, I would think, is this normal? Is this better than average? Is this worse than average? I was obsessed with going on Reddit and comparing my statistics with other people. There's this crazy document that's called Hunger Games on Reddit where you can literally compare your age and your situation with every other person and you see how many follicles they had, how many of those follicles turned into eggs, how many of those eggs fertilized, and then how many of those fertilized eggs turned into day three and ultimately day five embryos to be frozen. So just like Hunger Games, at the end of each step, there's another step where you compare yourself to other people. And I really let these numbers fixate in my mind. And I kept thinking, oh, I really, really need to get four or five embryos, which will statistically result in two kids. And then I won't have to do this ever again. So when 12 eggs came out during the egg retrieval, I was ecstatic because based on my searches on Reddit, I thought that that would mean that I would have six or seven embryos and far outperform what my goal had been. But instead it wound up just being four embryos, which was great, but I was disappointed. Then we put one of the embryos back in, hoping that that would be a pregnancy and nothing actually happened. So it didn't take. And Dev and I were really, really sad because what we want more than anything in the world is to have our own family, to have children of our own. But we also decided not to continue on the process with additional embryo transfers because I had a book to write. <laughs> I was really busy because I was also running my business full time while getting ready for our new house purchase and trying to make sure that I hit my September 1 deadline of completing my book manuscript. So we put those embryos on hold for a while. And then over the summer, I was heads down on my book as well as this house renovation. We got keys for the house in June. And then I finished my book, turned it in in September, and then immediately did another embryo transfer, this time with two embryos, and it didn't work. We got pregnant, but we miscarried very early on. It was also very devastating because here we are with just one embryo left, and we had been thinking and had been told that with four embryos, we would surely, surely have one kid, maybe two. And I can't tell you how many tears I cried during this past year about this process where I really felt like a total failure because not only had this IVF process been really expensive and hadn't worked, I also had been trying for so long, two years before this, and that hadn't worked even though I'd changed my diet, gone to so many doctors, gone to acupuncture, gone to nutritionists, taken so many supplements done tons of spiritual healing to try to figure out what the block was because we were never told of a physiological reason why it wasn't working. But now looking back, even though I still don't have the outcome that I wanted, I wish that I had just been more grateful for the whole experience. We are so lucky to be able to do IVF in the first place. 
meaning I'm lucky that I live in a time period where this is an option that's available, that we can financially afford it, and that I have a partner who is supporting me through the process. Secondly, I wish I hadn't looked at myself and compared myself, not just to my friends who were all having kids, but also to all these unknown strangers on Reddit and trying to gauge my own self-worth against how I stacked up against them. And really the result was mostly to make me feel pretty terrible about myself. And now I think, why? Why did I need to do that? I was already having a hard enough time. Why did I have to go in and add an additional layer of self-critique and self-loathing onto that? And the Buddhists call this type of behavior the two arrows, where the first arrow that shoots you can't be changed. It happens because someone has decided to strike you with an arrow. But then the second arrow is the one that you shoot into yourself. It is clinging on to the pain and suffering of that experience. And you dig yourself even deeper into that wound. And I did that by assuming a very negative way of looking at this whole experience of constantly feeling sorry for myself and lamenting that I was in this position. I was fighting and flailing against the fact that this is where I was instead of just letting go and accepting that this was just what was happening in my life. So imagine that you are on a boat floating down a river and someone has tossed you out of the boat into the current of the river and you start freaking out because obviously you don't want to drown. Well, there are two paths that you can take. The first path is to flail and swim and freak out and try to make your way back onto the boat. You're thrashing in the water, you're using up all your energy, and you're saying, why did someone throw me in the water? I don't want to be here. And then the other way to handle it is just to accept that that is what has happened, and you just happen to now be floating in a river. And so then you turn onto your back, you chill out, and you relax, and you let the current take you to shore where then you can return onto dry land. And all this past year, instead of just letting myself float and be with what was, I was thrashing, fighting against my own situation. And as a result, it caused me a lot of heartache and a lot of lost energy that I could have been putting elsewhere. And now, as I look forward to 2023, and I think about what I want to do differently, I pull up that image of me just floating down the river, very chill, very calm, very peaceful, over and over and over again. And a big part of that is releasing any sort of ideas of comparison, particularly around timeline. I am going to be 38 in February, which is just a couple of months away. And so it is most likely that I won't have a kid until I'm either 39 or close to 39 at the very earliest. And this is very different from how I always imagined my life to be. I always wanted to have two or more kids, and I thought that I would do that in my mid-30s, and that's not going to be the case. We may not even have our own biological children. We just don't know. Maybe we'll adopt, and that process also takes a long time. And so my work, my crutch that I lean on is in letting go of these unhelpful expectations that I have for myself around timing. Every single person in this world is on their own journey. We each have our own path to walk, and this is mine. I also look back on the year, and even though I didn't get what I want, I do feel blessed that I had this additional time to focus on my book and to make that as good as possible and to really let myself fully be in the process of birthing my very first ever large-scale creative work. 
And I wonder, maybe this baby has always been meant to come after my book. Maybe this is just my timing. And I had a friend also ask me this the other day. She said, if someone told you that 100% positively you would get the outcome that you wanted where you could have two kids of your own, would you be stressed out right now? And the answer was no, because all the stress and anxiety that I feel rests in this question of the unknown, this question of, am I going to get what it is that I most want in the entire world? And then feeling stress about whether or not it's going to happen. And so in 2023, I've decided to save myself that stress and just assume and just know and believe that I am going to get the kids that I want even though it may be a very, very different process than what I imagined in the beginning, and then let myself just relax into whatever it is that is meant to be. Okay, so the second big mistake, shortcoming that I experienced in 2022 was around my work-life boundaries (laughs) and mostly related to how I was taking care of myself. So while I was writing the book, I also had a full-time workload. In addition to keeping up with my coaching work, I also was doing the Reset Instagram and the podcast, though not as consistently (laughs) as I would have liked. But my day-to-day work of being an executive coach kept me super, super full. And as a result, I had to be very disciplined in order to make sure that I had time to write. So I was in bed at 9.30 or 10 every night. I made sure to get eight hours of sleep. I was really regimented about making sure that I did yoga and my pranayama because those two things really help with my creativity a lot. But one thing that I really didn't do was focus on what I was eating. So for about two months in the very thick of it while I was writing the book, I was eating mostly frozen pizzas. (laughs) I think my diet was like 30% frozen pizza, which is totally insane. Like 30% frozen pizza, 30% protein powder shakes, and 30% sandwiches with deli meat inside of them. And let's say the final 10% was other junk food like candy or chips. So then what I noticed when I was finished working on the book and I finally got back into a normal routine in October was actually taking showers more regularly and blow drying my hair was that I noticed that I had lost a lot of hair (laughs) during this process, which is probably no surprise when I literally just told you that my diet was almost 100% processed foods. So what I really, really wished that I had done was to remember that food is medicine, that food is what heals us, it's what nourishes us, it's not just so that we're not hungry, but rather it gives us the actual fuel that we need to be human every day. And the second thing to remember is that I'm worth it, that I actually deserve someone, whether it's myself or my husband, to take time to cook nourishing homemade food for me, and that I really am worth it. I deserve it. It's always been hard for me to make the effort to take care of myself in that way. And it's largely because of the way that I grew up. I can only remember my mom cooking dinner for me like a handful of times, like maybe five times in my entire life. And the rest of the time, she'd come home with Taco Bell or McDonald's or leftovers from wherever she had dinner with her friends. And I was always so upset with her about that. But somehow I've become an adult and I am now perpetuating and continuing the way that she treated me. Now I'm just doing it to myself. 
in those moments when I'm most overwhelmed and most stressed is when I have the strongest need for nourishing homemade food that is created with love. And honestly, this reflection isn't really about the fact that I lost some hair or that I broke out and felt pretty crappy, but really it's more of an empowering message that I am deserving, that I'm worthy, and that I should be nurtured and supported. I want to treat myself like that every single moment of 2023. Okay, so now the third thing that I would have changed about 2022 relates to my romantic relationship with Dev. He and I have been together now for about four and a half years. We've been married for about two and a half of those years. Suffice it to say, we are both very, very different people than the people who got together and started dating in 2018. Both of our jobs are different. We both worked in venture capital when we started dating, and now neither of us have anything to do with that industry any longer. And we were also both highly independent people when we started dating. Neither of us was used to sharing a life with another person. We were both pretty rusty at it. And as a result, as we settled into our relationship, there were definitely some growing pains that happened. He wasn't the ideal husband in the beginning of our marriage, which is totally fair because he hadn't done it before. He didn't know how to do it, but he really committed himself to learning what it was that I needed as a partner and then figuring out how to change and grow so that he could deliver on that for me. Something that I wish I had done earlier and done more of in 2022 was to allow myself to forgive and to move on from the past and to not hold anything that happened against him. Forgiveness is definitely not one of my top attributes. I would say that it is actually my Achilles heel. I'm not great at that. I hold lots of grudges. And once someone has hurt me, I tend to never forgive them and never speak to them ever again. It's definitely not something that I'm proud of, but it's how I've behaved in the past. And here I was doing that same thing to a partner who was really putting a ton of time and effort into trying to change. I could see him doing it. And I wish that I had spent more time appreciating those changes that he was making instead of fixating on the past and being hypervigilant about whether or not he was going to regress into that behavior. In our relationship, we have different values that we try to live by. And one of those values is seeing each other anew. And what that means to us is this idea that you don't take your partner for granted. You don't assume that you know who they are because you've been with them for a long time. Instead, you make the effort to see them every day with beginner's mind, with fresh eyes, and to say, who is this person? Who are they becoming? Can I push myself to see them anew each and every day? And if I'm really honest, I wasn't living up to that value this year. In 2023, I really want to work on this quality of forgiveness, not just when it comes to Dev, but many, many other people in my life. And I'll actually be posting the next podcast episode all about that topic to share what it is that I've learned. Okay, so that's it. Those are my big three learnings that I'm going to carry into 2023. One, I want to stop the jealousy and the comparison and trying to live my life along some sort of weird artificial timeline by which I compare my own self-worth to other people's. I'm done with that. I'm done doing that. I'm accepting my own personal unique journey and I'm letting myself be exactly where I am with my fertility journey and otherwise. 
The second thing I'm doing is I'm working on taking care of my body and knowing that I am worth it to give myself very healthy, nourishing food. And 2023 is all about me working with my hands, gardening, cooking, and leaning into the mind-body connection that so often eludes me because I'm very much in my head a lot of the time. And then finally, the third thing is that I am working on forgiveness and seeing the people in my life anew again. So that is my reflection of what I could do better. And of course, no reflection is complete without also acknowledging the things that went well. And for me, the big ones are one, I read a lot and that is the nature of writing a book is that you are also reading a lot as well. And I had such a beautiful year of thoughts, clarity, ideas that I want to keep going, even though I'm not writing a book right now. And so that includes continuing to carve out 30 minutes at night, every night to do a little bit of reading. I read a full New Yorker magazine from cover to cover last weekend, which even though I've had a subscription for the past few years, I haven't actually done probably two or three years to actually read the whole thing. So I'm very, very proud of that small achievement on my end, and I want to keep that going. The second thing that I feel really good about is because I was doing fertility stuff, I stopped getting Botox and fillers. And I also stopped using more harmful toxic chemicals on my face. And I actually feel like I look better than I ever have now, which is very surprising that scaling back has actually made my skin look a lot more fresh and a lot more youthful. So that's a big thing that I'm proud of is letting go of my ego and vanity and instead focusing on my health. And finally, the last, and I actually think the biggest thing that I'm most proud of is that I was extremely focused this year. I was really clear that my number one priority was to write an amazing book and to give myself the opportunity to put my best foot forward. And that meant carving out the right time, giving myself all the right resources and the right inspiration. And I'm really happy about how the book turned out. And not only am I really proud of what I wrote, but I'm especially proud of the work that I did to carve out that time and that space for myself. I am not always the most focused person. I really like dabbling in a lot of different things at once. So it was a growing edge for me to say no to a lot of things that were very exciting, to say no to paying opportunities that would have been great for the year to say no to fun trips with friends and say no to nights out drinking so that I could be fresh in the morning to write. And I'm definitely not one of those people who wakes up at 5.30 in the morning every day and goes for a long run before they take their shower. I've never been like that. I don't even wake up particularly early. I like to have a more freeform schedule where every day I just wake up depending on what I need to do that day. But pushing against my natural inclinations and putting a lot more structure and focus and discipline in my life actually created really good results. I don't think I'm going to do that all the time. I actually don't really know if I want to, but I definitely am going to re-rely on that skill of discipline and focus whenever I have big rock projects on the table in the future as well. And I feel really proud of myself knowing that I could change my ways. And I think related to that is another thing I'm really proud of, which is that I didn't self-sabotage. I really believed in myself this year. 
I told myself over and over again that I could write an incredible best-selling book and it is to yet be determined whether or not it will be a bestseller, but I think it's an amazing book. And with big, scary things like that, that we have been dreaming about for years and years and years, there's a huge tendency within us as humans to self-sabotage. I've definitely done this to myself in the past, where I've let my procrastination get the better of me, or I've been way too in my head with anxieties about how the project is going to turn out. But I'm really proud to say that I kept a very careful eye on that, and I constantly asked myself, Am I self-sabotaging? Am I setting myself up to succeed? And I would be pretty critical and honest about whether or not I was standing in my own way or boosting myself up. So overall, I would say that this has been a really, really good year. 2020 and 2021 were much more existential crises of years. If you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know that 2020 was all about trying to rebuild my business after the pandemic forced me to shut down my physical studio and I lost all the money I had invested into it in the process. And that was a really tough year to figure out whether or not I could actually make it as someone who worked for myself. I had a huge looming question over my head about whether or not I needed to give up on my dream. Then 2021, that was a huge year of wondering whether or not I could get my book sold whether I could write a really good proposal, find a great agent, and then align with a dream publisher who wanted to purchase the book. And so overall, I'm really grateful that 2022, even though it was stressful and not so much fun in many, many ways, it was so easy in comparison to the last couple of years where I was asking the question of, do I deserve for my dreams to come true? Am I going to make it? Is this going to happen for me? I feel very, very lucky and very grateful to be here. And a big part of 2023 is incorporating more gratitude into my daily practices. I want to start giving thanks before every meal. And I want to be much more consistent this year with my gratitude journal than I was last year. And I have chosen a theme for my next year. And that is my body comes first. Next year, I'm making physical wellness the foundation and the priority for everything that I do. And in that same spirit of being intentional about what it is that you want for 2023, I made a little guide for all of my newsletter subscribers. It's a 2023 manifestation guide, and it essentially has some prompts and some suggestions that can help you codify and declare what it is that you want for 2023 so that you can then manifest and bring it to life. So I hope that it is helpful. If you want to receive it, then all you have to do is sign up for the newsletter, which is free. You can do that from the link in the show notes. And come 2023 in January, you will be emailed the 2023 Manifestation Guide. As always, this is your friendly reminder to love yourself to listen to yourself, and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. And may we all set the intention together that all of our greatest dreams come true in 2023. See you all in two weeks in the new year.